welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today, I'm going to talk about managing irrational thoughts. So I wanted to start off by talking about the irrationality that um, I experienced when I was drinking, when I was um, getting close to my bottom and, um, and what that felt like. And um, for those of you who are in sobriety, and then I wanted to talk about irrational thoughts in, um, as a sober person in recovery from my stroke. And I have an experience today to, um, to pull from for this. So I actually started writing the topic earlier this morning before this event happened. And, um, and so I thought, oh, this is an example I can, I can use for my podcast. So um, when I was drinking um, more and more, as I got towards the end of my drinking, I had this underlying trembling. So my, in my family, we have familial tremor syndrome. And so my father, my brother, and I always have all experienced this underlying, like, trembling feeling. And um, it's like, if you were to look at me, you and my brother says it really nicely, if, if you were to look at us, you can't see us shaking, but you can, you can feel uh, the nerves jumping underneath our skin. And, um, and there are certain things that make it worse, um, like stress. And um, for me, uh, withdrawal. So withdrawal, uh, now I'll never know what withdrawal feels like without familial tremor syndrome. Um, but I've been curious about whether I even have familial tremor syndrome because once I cut out the drinking, I really have next to no uh, feeling of jumping nerves. Um, but I have noticed that if I miss my um, citalopram, which is for my anxiety, um, I, that feeling comes back. So I don't know if the citalopram is like indirectly uh, addressing the familial tremor syndrome or not. So there's a lot kind of going on in there <laughs> in this body of mine. But that's kind of a, a little bit of a background. So as I got closer to, um, to my bottom, that trembling just kept increasing. And what caused the trembling kept increasing. So the fear, um, you know, I started becoming fearful of even going to the grocery store, leaving the house going to the, the bus stop with the kids, uh, talking on the phone, you know, doing anything. I, I just became more and more fearful. And 
when I had to do something really significant, for example, there was one conference that I had to go to in San Diego and, uh, it, uh, my, my mind went blank again. Sorry. The, the trembling, I would subside it with drinking all the time. And so on this conference, I couldn't drink, you know, I couldn't drink how much I normally would, which is all day long. So I was sitting through these sessions and my body just started shaking to the point that the lady beside me actually looked over at me and was, I think, concerned that there was something wrong with me. Um, And there was something wrong with me. I was going through withdrawal right in front of her. So uh, once that was over I finally got to you know and I had these big tall heels on so just imagine shaking from withdrawal in high heels trying to get yourself over to the happy hour so that you could put down a glass of wine but I was shaking so bad that I could barely hold the glass of wine in my hand I held it I don't think anybody noticed but what do I know um I had to hold the glass of wine with two hands to to lift it up to my mouth to drink it. So um, I don't know if my colleagues that were standing beside me knew what was going on or not. Um, certainly nobody said anything to me, but um, it's a terrible feeling, you know. And And so with that fear as it was increasing and, and the more things that I was fearful of came... Um, what I know now are irrational thoughts. And so um, that's kind of what kickstarts this, this idea of a topic today. And it's what I was feeling on the inside was quite the opposite of what I was trying to show people on the outside. And I don't, you know, I don't know how successful I was. I'll never know how successful I was at at showing other people that I was composed and professional and and so forth. But what I do know today is that when I see another a- active alcoholic who has not put down the drink, I can tell that what they're trying to show me on the outside is is not what they're feeling on the inside. I can see through that mask that they're trying to put on. I can, because I know it all too well, I can feel, you know, I can see what they're feeling on the inside. And it tears me up to watch somebody just dying on the inside, just trembling on the inside, you know. So um, when I took the drinking away, eventually, so I went through a a week of detox, and I was um, on a walker for three days, I think, because of withdrawal. And then on the fourth day, I was able to walk without a walker anymore. 
And that's when that trembling started to subside. But it took a long time for the trembling, for that physical trembling to, to diminish entirely. I, I, I can't tell you how long, but it took a while. Um, but even though that physical trembling had gone away, the fear that was living inside me did not go away. Um, I can take away the drinking to address some, those physical aspects, but the reason why I need a sobriety program is because there's a lot of fear on the inside and mm, much of it is irrational. Much of it, not all of it. Um, there's a lot of fear that that's, it's all, it's all real. You know, it, the fear is real. Our feelings, you know, I don't, I don't like when people say our feelings aren't facts. I, I don't really like that Quote. And the reason why is because a feeling feels like a fact. And by saying it's not a fact isn't, isn't helping me at all. It feels like a fact. And what I have to do is go through these exercises to um, almost negotiate with myself and convince me that that feeling that you're feeling, it's real. What you're feeling is real and it needs to be acknowledged. But it's something that maybe we're spending too much energy on. Maybe we can calm it down. Maybe we can find something to replace that feeling with, something that's more positive and, uh, and something that, that can help me move forward instead of standing still. I've talked about uh, that that difference between standing still and moving forward in a previous podcast. So um, I really did not know um, at that time those fears, much of them were irrational. I felt like all of that, like I'm saying, was, was very much factual. And over time, like looking back at the way that I reacted to those feelings, I was straight up crazy. I really, I was crazy on the inside. I was crazy. And, um, and there was nothing to do about it. No, nobody could reason with me and try to convince me that what I was feeling was crazy, but, but it absolutely was. I was living in this unrealistic, I, I had an unrealistic perspective on reality. Um, so it took taking the drink away, number one. And then it, it takes a program. It takes, I feel like, a really methodical approach to address irrational thinking. 
And I, it can't be dismissed. It just can't be dismissed. It needs to be talked through. So that's my very strong opinion about all of that. And so um, because I have that experience to draw from, um, I have a, a maybe unique perspective on irrational thinking. Um, not unique from other alcoholics, but unique from people who have not experienced the craziness that comes with being an alcoholic. So um, one of my uh, one of my thoughts today is, it, you know, I was taking some notes down and and I wrote down understanding irrational thoughts. Number one, they aren't true. And, and just like I, I just mentioned, I, I really don't like to say that because they're, they're thoughts. They're true in their own right. That's what they are. They are, they are constructed to be true in your mind. Um, but what they aren't is based on facts. Your thoughts, irrational thoughts, are not based on facts. They're based on what I was talking about the past two days, adding narrative to what really happened. So um, there are some common ways that human beings have irrational thoughts. They're like categorized into different ways. You may have heard this before. So I'm going to go over these different ways um, that we uh, think irrationally. So the first way is all or nothing, meaning uh, either things are going to be one way or they're not going to or they're not going to be at all. The black and white approach. So you know, um, if, if this doesn't happen, then my life is over. You know, it reminds me of, um, of when you're talking to your high schooler and they're like, if you don't let me go onto my social media account, then my life is over as we know it. That is the all or nothing thing. Um, it's just completely irrational. Um, the second one is catastrophizing. So I'm a huge catastrophizer and, um, a plus for pronouncing that word. (laughs) Um, and so I think that my example that I'm going to give later in the show is, uh, is catastrophizing. And okay, so the third example of irrational thoughts is mind reading. So this is like assuming what somebody else is thinking. And I do that all the time too. If somebody doesn't respond to me in a certain way, then I'm like, oh my God, they're totally pissed at me. What did I do? And, um, And I, I, oh my gosh, I do it all the time. I do it with my boyfriend. Like he'll be making dinner and he's focused on what it is that he's making. 
you know, reading the directions or whatever. We do this. Uh, we do every plate where you get the food delivered to you on Mondays. So um, he has been making all of these since I have been unable to read and follow directions since my stroke symptoms have have exacerbated. So he's been doing this. And, and so I'm just sitting there, you know, I'm either, uh, listening to, uh, YouTube or, or listening to the news or something like that. And I'll say something to him. Like if I hear a news headline and I comment on that and he doesn't say anything when I comment, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's totally pissed at me that I didn't take the trash out or something like that. Like it's crazy. Um, instead of, you know, just asking or something. So anyway, that's the mind reading, um, assuming what somebody else is thinking. And then there's, uh, overgeneralization. So that would be something like, um, of course I had the stroke. Everything bad always happens to me. I'm an alcoholic. I'm the one who's the stroke, who had the stroke, you know, and that's generalizing. Uh, the last one is personalization. So thinking that it's all about you when maybe it has may have nothing to do with you. So I did have an example of that. What was it? I feel like it just happened today. Um, Anyway, when somebody is, um, you know, maybe in a conversation and they say something, let's say there's five people in this conversation and one of the people says something that you can really identify with, but it almost feels like it was a jab at you, then personalization means that you just assume that what they said was a jab at you and, um, and that it was all about you. So, um, okay. So what causes irrational thinking? Well, uh, what causes irrational thinking is that it's just old plain, it's just plain old part of being a human being. And that's what we do. That's what the power of our brains lets us do. It's actually quite um, extraordinary that our brains have the ability to use this kind of imagination and ver- and visualization and and making up stories and and the fact that we can uh, create our own narratives and stuff like that. It's extraordinary that we can do that. However, when it comes from stress, anxiety, depression, or any severely, you know, diagnosed severe uh, medical condition or mental condition, um, it can be pretty terrible. It can be absolutely terrible. It can be, um, lead to uh, fatalities. Uh, it's, it's really scary. And so I am not talking about any of the irrational thinking that, um, that is correlated with delusions or anything like that. Nothing that has to do with these 
severe uh, medical conditions. But what I am going to talk about is the stuff that I've experienced, which is um, just that uh, those those categories that I that I just previously read. So what can we do about irrational thinking? How can we manage irrational thinking? And so the first step is to learn more about it. So that's what we're doing here. If we can learn more about each one of these categories and think of examples for each one, then when we're out living and we're thinking of something um, irrational, we are more likely to identify the thought as irrational Um, because we've practiced it. It's all about practice. It always comes back to practice. I feel like most of my episodes um, come down to some some basic things, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give examples right now because that would be too much for my brain right now. But anyway, I feel like I'm always coming back to the same type of um, advice for myself. So, Learning about these common irrational thinking um, examples are the first step so that when we're in a challenging situation, we can take a look at our self-talk and see if it falls under these, uh, any one of these five categories. So I'm going to tell you what happened today that pissed me off and we're going to We're going to work through this irrational thinking together. So here we go. What happened was I am supposed to have an MRI tomorrow at 630 at Reston Hospital. I've been waiting for this MRI for two weeks. Now, let's back up a little bit. I say I've been waiting for this MRI for two weeks, but in all honesty, I've been waiting for this MRI for two months because it took a month to get into the neurology uh, office and then it took two weeks to schedule the MRI and so that's a month and a half. Well, this is what happened. I, um, I got a text today from the hospital And they said, your authorization for your MRI was denied by your insurance company. And so uh, give us a call. So I called them. And she said that it was denied. Uh, They tried to work with the doctor's office, but they didn't receive a response. So we're going to have to schedule the MRI, reschedule the MRI. So I was like, Oh my God, it was devastating. I'm devastated, right? I'm devastated that I've been waiting a month and a half and I don't know what the hell is going on inside my brain. Did I have another stroke? Is there something happening in there that could be helped like immediately? I don't know. I don't know until somebody takes a freaking picture of my brain. And otherwise, it's just locked safe inside my skull and there's nobody knows what's going on in there. So I'm just like, oh, my God, you're kidding me. So she's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Let me transfer you to the rescheduling 
uh, area. And I'm imagining, okay, the rescheduling area is the lady sitting right next to you. So just hand the phone. Anyway, you know, I'm starting to get that really <laughs> pissy feeling in my head. Uh, so anyway, she transfers me to the scheduling line and they're like, thank you for calling. You are fifth in line. And so I, I hung up. I was like, this is, this is going nowhere fast. So I thought, I'm not giving up yet. I'm not just going to reschedule my MRI. I'm going to call the insurance company and find out what's going on. Um, well, first I thought, I'm going to call the doctor's office and find out what's going on. And then I'm like, they don't know. So I'm going to call my call the insurance company and find out what's going on. So I talked to a lovely um, lady named uh, Latasha. And she gave me the information and said that, um, notice that's the only name that I've given in this entire podcast for months. Um, so I talked to Latasha and she gave me, um, she gave me, mine went blank again, uh, oh, the information that the, the insurance company denied it because, no. They, yeah, they denied it because they didn't have enough information and they asked the doctor for information, but they didn't receive it. So they denied it. Um, and so I appreciated Latasha's information. So I called the doctor's office and it started ringing. And then I thought, huh, I have another vo voicemail. So I checked the voicemail and it was from the hospital saying that they, let's see, yeah, that they talked to the doctor and the doctor sent the additional information over to the insurance company. And so I was like, oh, okay, so the insurance company has what they need. They just need somebody to walk it over to a different desk to get it done. So I call the insurance company back and I talk to Amy G. Amy G at Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield is the best actual um, helper person ever. So um, I talked to her. She was so great and personable and like just I felt like she was my sister. It was awesome. And so she did, she called the doctor's office and did all the stuff. And she was talking to her supervisor, like, what can we do? And well, it turns out that yes, they have my information, but there is no way for her to find out what's happening in the authorization department to find out like if it's going to be, if it's going to be approved or not or whatever, it would take 24 hours for it to be approved in their system. So, so that's it. I, I love Amy G and, uh, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield sucks and they did not come through and help me. I just cannot believe that my medical, my health is in the hands of these people and they cannot move a piece of paper to a different department in 
24 hours so I can find out whether my brain is bleeding or not? Or, or I don't have brain bleeding. I had a clot, <laughs> side note. But anyway, you know, uh, just so pissed off. I'm sorry I said something negative about Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield. Sorry. Um, and the most part, they're great. It's just that this information, this, this is just devastating for me. So, um, that's what happened. And so I had to reschedule my MRI for another two weeks. So <clears throat> now my MRI is on the 29th of August and my follow-up with a neurologist was supposed to be on the 30th. So guess what that means? I have to reschedule my follow-up visit with the neurologist. Well, the last time I tried to schedule a follow-up visit with the neurologist, they couldn't get me in for a month. So that means I'm waiting three months now for one MRI. That's it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I could be dead by, by three months. I'm not going to be, kids. But, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's terrible. Um, it's just terrible. So what's my irrational thinking? So my irrational thinking uh, started blooming <laughs> from my anger and my stress. That's, that's where it started blooming. So this is what I was thinking. These are the three things that came to mind, my irrational thinking. One, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to get better. Two, what if I'm having a continuous event in my brain that just is slowly dam damaging everything in my brain? You know, like I'm, my brain's slowly shutting down. And then three... I'm pissed at the claims or authorization examiner. So these are, all three of these are irrational. And so we're going to talk through a way to manage irrational thinking. So we'll start with the first one. I'm never going to get better. So um, the first thing that we want to do is figure out what category that's in. So... If we look at the categories, we have all or nothing, catastrophizing, mind reading, overgeneralization, and personalization. So, you know, I think, I don't know what you would choose, but my first inclination is overgeneralization, that, that I'm, um, I'm never going to get better. But I think it's more uh, all or nothing. I'm never going to get better. That's what seems to be. Um, <laughs> let's see. It makes me laugh now. Um, okay, so we named it, and that's one of, the, one of the themes that I always come back to in this podcast is to give your thoughts and your feelings names. That's where you always start. Give it a name. So uh, second, replace the irrational thought. So number one is name your irrational thought. Two is replace the irrational thought. So instead of saying, I'm never going to get better, I'm going to replace that with, I am going to get better. It already feels better to say that. I am going to be uh, going to get better. So number three is 
it's okay to be happy, be unhappy, but bring it back to the facts. So what are the facts? The facts are that my MRI has been moved. That's it. My MRI has been moved. I'm no worse off right now this evening than I was this morning when I woke up thinking that my MRI was the next day. So why on earth would I think all of a sudden I'm not going to get any better, right? I'm going to get better in some way. I don't know how, but I'm going to get better. (laughs) And uh, that didn't sound very positive. I'm going to get better. I'm not going to be the same. That's for sure. Okay, so the last step is, is there any action I can take? So what comes to mind for me, the action I can take to get better is to continue to do my vision therapy to, um, for, for my, uh, you know, my tracking and stuff that I'm, they're trying to help me work on. Um, to continue to do the podcast to help with my mental health and uh, continue to eat, exercise, meditate. So uh, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed since yesterday. I still have to do these things. The only thing that changed is that I have to that I have to wait again. And that hasn't even changed. I was already waiting. So nothing's changed. Nothing's changed at all. Okay, next one. What if I'm having a continuous event in my brain that slowly damages everything? That's my next irrational thought. Well, here's the thing. My neurologist gave me something called Verapamil. And this is a migraine medication that they give folks who have migraines that um, include dizziness. Well, I didn't realize until today that um, the reason why my symptoms have evolved and and just completely, I don't know if evolved or shifted so that I'm not having that rubber band feeling so much anymore, but I'm like extremely dizzy and lightheaded. And so I put two and two together that the they told me when they gave me the Verapamil a couple weeks ago that if you start feeling lightheaded that to stop taking it. So um, I think that is what's happening. So I, I just stopped taking it right away today when I realized that. So I would rather have the pain than the, than this feeling like I'm going to pass out. So, um, so anyway, I, I, oh, so my point is I started thinking, what if I'm having a continuous event in my head because of this dizziness, because this is like not going away at all. And I'm, I'm getting more and more unsteady on my feet and having to keep my eyes closed and stuff. So I feel honestly like right this minute, I feel worse than I ever have Um, other than like I don't have the rubber bands, but I definitely just feel um, very woozy. Yeah. So um, it's, it has scared me 
And so I just realized that maybe it's not that I'm having a continuous stroke in my in my head, um, that it's just uh, the medication, right? So the uh, so here we go. Um, I'm naming it. What is what is that? I'm having a continue my pretty much I was saying that my brain is just completely gonna shut down. So let's look at the categories again. All or nothing, catastrophizing, mind reading, overgeneralization, personalization. That's definitely catastrophizing. So we've given it a name. Next, replace the irrational thought. So replacing it is that the the symptoms that I'm having right now are due to my migraine medication and I'm going to stop taking that immediately. Number three, it's okay to be unhappy, but bring it back to the facts. The facts are that um, I am on a different medication and it's not working and I'm going to stop taking it. That's the fact. Number four, is there any action I can take? Yes, I can stop taking it. So, okay, last one. I am pissed at the claims and authorization examiner for denying my claim. I mean, let me just vent for a second. The what um, my my best friend Amy G at Anthem told me was that they needed more information about uh, the history of my symptoms that I've been dealing with. I mean, look in your file and see that I had a stroke two years ago and MRIs and stuff. Like, what is happening in this world? Anyway, um, I'm pissed at them because I want to call them stupid. I think that the claims examiner is stupid. (laughs) There, I've said it. And that does feel good. I don't care who you are. To call somebody stupid, it feels good because it's not a real person. It's just this imaginary stupid claims examiner with a stupid face. (laughs) So, okay. So I need to give it a name. I'm pissed at the claims examiner. Let's take a look at our our categories again. Um, All or nothing. Uh, Catastrophizing mind reading, over generalization, personalization. Okay, so I'm going to categorize this as personalization and I'll tell you why. Because I just was talking about how, well, don't, didn't they look at my record and didn't they see that I had a stroke and me, 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 me. Well, if I really just back up you know, this is really difficult when you're pissed off. If you, if I were to just back up and think about this claims examiner, if I take off their stupid face and put a nice face on them, and I think about this person who could be like a, you know, we'll say a 30-year-old person who's just sitting there trying to do their job, they have guidelines that they have to follow. And what they did not have is enough information to approve the claim. And they have to be accountable for what they approve and what they deny. So 
if I'm putting my little angel wings on, I'm going to say that it's personalization and I'm not going to say that this person has an ugly, uh, a stupid face. So I named it personalization. Number two, replace the irrational thought. Uh, so I'm replacing the irrational thought that I'm pissed at the claims examiner with the claims examiner was doing their job. And number three, it's okay to be unhappy, but bring it back to the facts. Okay, it's okay to be unhappy. I'm pissed that I didn't get my uh, authorization approved in time. I'm okay. It's okay to be pissed off. I am pissed off. I'm sad. I'm pissed off. I'm frustrated. All of those feelings are fine. Um, and the facts are that they're re-reviewing it and it'll probably be approved by tomorrow or the next day. And believe you me, I'll be checking <laughs> to make sure that it's approved on time now. And um, another, just another side note. I mean, this is a venting session here. Why did they wait until the day before? Now, I guess it was three days before the MRI to finally look at the authorization. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway. Okay, I'm done. I swear. That's my last vent. And so finally, number four, is there any action I can take? Honestly, I did take the action already. Um, so what I did was I called the insurance company and talked and I was super, super nice to Amy G and um, have a new best friend. She told me that if I ever want to talk to just her, I can call and ask for her. So I have my own uh, insurance agent now. Um, so lucky me. I still feel bad that I said something negative about Anthem. I, I think maybe I shouldn't do that on a public forum. Anyway, Anthem, you're great. Rah, rah. Okay. Um, is there any act? Yes. Yeah, so I, I already did. I called um, Amy G at Anthem and... We, uh, we tried to take the action within our power and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. So, um, so that's a wrap. That's a wrap on irrational thoughts. I think I feel a little better. Um, I hope that you can apply some of these, um, skills to managing your own irrational thoughts. So just to summarize, um, the way that you manage irrational thoughts is number one, name the category that it's in. And those categories one more time are all or nothing, catastrophizing, mind reading, overgeneralization, and personalization. So after you figure out what category your irrational thought is in, then you replace it with a rational thought. And then number three, acknowledge that you're unhappy. Like don't try to dismiss the fact 
that you're pissed. It's that part is totally fine. It's what that anger uh, makes our brains do, starts developing this narrative and stuff like that. That's what we're trying to stop. So it's okay to be unhappy, acknowledge that, but bring it back to the facts. What actually happened? And then number four, is there an action that I can take? Because it's all about the podcast. We always come back to willingness, action-based mindset. Um, so hopefully this is helpful to you. Certainly was helpful for me to get past what pissed me off today. And thanks for listening. Share this with a friend. Please, please, please share this episode with a friend. Um, a lot of the episodes... I've been starting to realize can really apply to anybody, any human being. So please feel free to share. It would be great if we continue to grow the community. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.